you, Eric. Appreciate it. Good morning, Kingsland. Hey, we're going to continue our series in the parables of Jesus, and we're going to be in Luke 15 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Luke 15. And I do want to just say, Eric, thank you so much for that, man. That was awesome. I do want to just say, if this is your first Sunday here at Kingsland, you picked a good Sunday to come to church this morning. We're starting with a baptism there and with our students leading worship, just Awesome, awesome, awesome morning. Um, as a student pastor, the only thing better than leading students into worship is being led by students in worship. So I tell you what, that's, that's awesome. And Pastor Michael, great job. Thank you so much, brother, for leading them. Hey, quick thing. Um, I work with the best staff here at Kingsman. Tremendously awesome. Um, but I also get to work out with Pastor Eric and Pastor Michael. And have you all noticed ever since Pastor Michael's been here, his strumming is a lot stronger. Have you guys, have you guys noticed that? Like, I'm telling you, make sure you keep encouraging that guy, all right, to work out. It's amazing. Uh, but you are Luke 15, right? Hey, quick story about Luke 15. Luke 15, the parable of the lost son. See, my wife and I, uh, this, this parable is near and dear to our hearts. I grew up Catholic. And so I grew up knowing about God, I'd say, but I didn't really have a relationship with him. I didn't really understand I had a desperate need for Jesus. It was later in life, actually, when I was in college, and let's just say making some poor decisions, uh, where I finally surrendered my life to Jesus. I remember uh, Megan's stepdad, Mark, sharing the gospel with me one night. We talked on the phone for three hours, and he just went through the gospel with me and shared, and that's when I remember, I remember crying myself to sleep, saying, Jesus, I'm done. I'm going to do it your way. And so began this this walk with Jesus, right? Now, Meg and I were dating at the time, but we instinctively knew, hey, we need need to be a part of a church family. We need a community of believers around us so that we can start learning how Jesus did things. Now, long story longer, um, we ended up at this Judson Memorial Baptist Church in Joliet, Illinois. And wouldn't you know it, the first sermon that I ever heard after becoming a Christian was on the parable of the lost son. And I'll tell you what, um, Megan and I were in tears after their service. I'm sure people around us were like, what is wrong with these two college kids? Why are they crying? What is happening here? But I, you know what? I, re- I remember just relating to the wild child of the story so much. And, and Megan and I just feeling like we are home in Jesus. We so desperately needed Jesus. I've never forgotten that because like we learned last week, Pastor Ryan pe- preaching from Israel. I remember, uh, you know, I always remember, go back to the Father. Whenever I mess up, I can go home, and so it's good. But I tell you what, church, there's more to this parable. Uh, There's another angle of this parable that's often overlooked. So if you have your Bibles, look really quickly at the first two verses in Luke 15 with me. It says, All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now the main reason... Jesus is telling this parable isn't because of the wild childs, but because self-righteous people like the Pharisees, they don't always like the wild childs being around them. They're not always gracious and welcoming with sinners. Now, Kingsland, question for y'all. Um, are sinners welcome here at Kingsland? Yes. yes and amen. That's the right answer, right? Um, yes and amen. You know what? As a matter of fact, there's a bunch of sinners sitting here amongst us today. Did you know that? Did you know that? Um, Do you want to know how to tell if someone sitting next to you is a sinner at Kingsland? They're sitting next to you at Kingsland, right? Um, They even let one come up here and preach this morning, okay? So before we go any further, 
Do me a favor, look at the person next to you, give them a high five and say, you are messed up and you need Jesus, okay? Very good. Hey, some of you enjoyed that a little too much, especially that first part, like you were messed up, okay? Some of you really, you've been waiting to say that for a long time, okay? But hey, that's the gospel truth. We are messed up and we need Jesus. Now, the Pharisees, obviously, guys, they clearly didn't like Jesus associating with sinners. And Jesus responds to them in Luke 15 in three parables, right, that, we, that we've looked at. And we're looking at the parable of the lost son. And so this last parable, he's kind of taken a swipe at the self-righteousness of the Pharisees. Now, you know, we looked at the wild child last week, but what about the older brother? What's his angle? Well, if I was a doctor, and believe me, I'm not, okay, um, I, I had to diagnose the older brother. You know what I'd say he's suffering from? OBS, Older brother syndrome. Older brother syndrome. Now, don't, don't try to look this up on WebMD web because you're not going to find anything on WebMD. But I tell you what, we can learn a lot about what OBS is by observing the responses of the older brother in Luke 15. So if any of these show up in your life, seek medical attention right away, okay? Um, that's why we're here, amen? That's why we're here to see our doctor, Jesus, okay? So let's go ahead. Luke 15, um, let's pray, and then we'll jump into this. Sound like a plan? Let's do this. God, thank you so much for this morning. Seriously, God, this, is, this has been a celebration. You are so good and faithful, God. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this body of believers, Lord. I get, I get so encouraged um, being led in worship by students and just being around my brothers and sisters, Lord. So whatever we have coming in today, Lord, would you just open up our hearts uh, to your word this morning? Lord, we're after, um, we're after transformation, not information. And so, God, would you, as, we, as, we, as you teach me as well, Lord God, would you help us to hold a mirror up to ourselves and really examine our hearts this morning uh, to really see, God, is, if there's anything in our lives that's not of you. And, Lord, we just, uh, we just say, Lord, yes, whatever you have for us, whatever your direction is, whatever your leading is on our life in this moment, on this day, God, we want to obey. And so we love you, God. And all God's people said, amen. All right, so I'm going to go to Luke uh, 15. I'm going to I'm going to go back up a little bit. Go to uh, verse 22 because this is kind of like the previously on the parable of the lost son. Okay, so go with me to verse 22. It says, "But the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. That's the wild child, of course. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found." So they began to celebrate. Now, of course, as a reminder, Jesus could have ended the parable here, right? It would have been a nice little cute little bow on this passage been done if it was about the wild child. But see, it's not. And what Jesus wants the Pharisees to see is like, hey, they are the older brother. So keep reading with me. Look at this. Verse 25 it says, now that his, his older son was in the field, as he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother's here, he told them, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him, but he replied to his father, Look, I've been slaving many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes and slaughtered the fattened calf, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me, 
and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. May the Lord teach us this morning. Obviously, the religious leaders um, of Jesus' day self-righteously thought that they had it all together. Uh, They thought that they could get God's approval by doing all the right things. Um, They thought God was so proud of them for being good and for listening to doing everything in the law. And so what they ended up doing is they looked down on people. And so plagued with this mindset, this older brother syndrome, they couldn't understand how God, uh, let alone Jesus, this rabbi, this teacher, why why is he associating with sinners? God doesn't want to associate with those people. And church, let's just, say, let's just say right off the bat, let's cut to the chase. Obviously, this mentality has no place in the church, right? None. But what I want to do this morning is let's understand the symptoms that drive this mentality. Because again, I think we see a couple of them here in the older brother. And ultimately, we need, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to avoid these symptoms, right? And so the first one we see in verse 28 is anger. Anger. The older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. Now, maybe I'm the only one here this morning that's willing to admit that I have an anger problem sometimes, okay? Honestly, if you don't know if you have an anger problem, uh, just ask somebody, okay? And if they say yes, please don't get angry at them, okay? (laughs) If they say, no, no, you don't have an anger problem, what I need you to do is to really look and go, no, seriously, do I have an anger problem? And if they hesitate at all, I'm telling you, you probably have an anger problem, okay? Now, here's the thing. The emotion of anger is not the problem. Not all anger is bad. See, God gets angry, doesn't he? But God is slow to anger, it says in Scripture, meaning he's patient. And you know what? He gets angry about the right things because his love is perfect. I love what Psalm 103 says. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, in abounding in steadfast love. I was listening to a sermon by um, Pastor Tim Keller. He's a pastor up in New York. And he said this about anger. He said, you know, um, if you have a God that never gets angry, you don't have a God of love. If you have God that never gets angry, you don't have a God of love. And I thought about that a lot, and it makes a lot of sense. If I don't love anything, then I'm never going to be angry. And I think of, the, the best story I think of in, in scriptures is, is Jesus clearing the temple. Y'all remember that story? What made him angry? Man, he walks into the temple and people are exploiting people. There's money changers and religious leaders that are exploiting people. Not only are they making the house, God's house, a den of thieves, but they are keeping people from worshiping the Father. And so Jesus is angry because he loves the Father and he loves people coming to worship the Father. See, God gets angry about the right things, and the reality, church, is we should get angry about the right things, too. James 1.19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, we're told. So if we're allowed to get angry, then what's the problem? Well, the problem is most of our anger is blow-up, emotion-filled, selfish anger, like what we see here in the older brother in this parable. You know, it's not God's just, righteous, and slow anger. See, we get example, we, we get angry, for example, over uh, things that inconvenience us or annoy us um, when our expectations aren't met, when we feel like somebody owes us something, maybe when our political party doesn't win, 
maybe when our favorite sports team doesn't win, et cetera, et cetera, we get mad, we get angry, mostly because we're, it's about us. And we should be asking the question, hey, how much of my anger has anything to do with the kingdom of God? How much of my anger has anything to do with the kingdom of God? Another pastor I like to, to read uh, and listen to is Paul, uh, Paul David Tripp, and he wrote this recently about anger in one of his books. He said, when you are hurt, angry, or disappointed, it's not because the laws of God's kingdom have been broken and it really concerns you. Nope, you're most often angry because the laws of your kingdom have been broken. And isn't this exactly what we see in the older brother? Isn't that what we see in our own lives too? This type of anger is way out of line with the heart of the father. See, the older brother wasn't mad because, you know, his father was harmed and he was worried about his reputation. He's worried about the father and what that could mean for him. No, he was mad because he was put out and he was harmed. He was frustrated about this. The, um, the point is human anger does not bring about God's righteousness. Like it says in James chapter 1, verse 20. So church, we should be slow and very careful with anger because too often it's so out of line with the heart of the father. And I'll tell you, church, why this matters so much. Because in my 18 years of following Jesus, I've never seen an angry person win somebody to Jesus. I've never seen an angry person convince someone of their need for Jesus. As a matter of fact, I've never seen a marriage healed because of anger or with anger. I've never seen a child comforted by anger. I've never seen wounds uh, from people healed, healed by more anger, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, human anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Now, if I can be real with y'all for a moment. You know, last time I was here, I was preaching on forgiveness, and I, I think I told you all that, like, the Lord deals with me sometimes before I come up and I teach and whatnot. He does that, doesn't he, Eric? Occasionally, he, he teaches you first. And, like, what the Lord has been teaching me about anger is, like, I know, not only do I need to admit it, but I kind of need to analyze it a little bit. I need to understand what's beneath it. Because usually there's 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 something, there's a symptom of a symptom. There's something driving our anger, right? And I'll give you a fresh, kind of silly, dumb example, okay? Um, some of you know this, but I'm actually a New York Yankees fan. Yeah. 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 There's some people gasping. Oh, oh. I, saw, I thought you all were going to start chanting, we want Houston, but um, we, won't, we won't do that. Okay, can I be honest with you? Uh, I was a little mad when you all swept us, Okay. I was big mad. I was like, I was like really angry, okay? Um, y'all think I'm kind of joking, but ask Megan, my poor wife. She, she saw it. I was like, I turned the game off. I was like, I was so done. I went to bed angry, frustrated. Um, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because two things. Number one, I'm still, I'm still a little bitter about 2017 and 2019, okay? Still a little bitter. And number two, we moved here in January of 2016, and ever since I've moved here, the Astros have owned my Yankees, okay? It's like seriously just owned my Yankees, all right? I'm, I'm admitting it. I'm admitting it, okay? Admitting it, okay? Before you all, all right? I'm telling you, pray, pray. You, I'm messed up. I need Jesus, all right? But here's the thing. Here's what drove my anger that I've realized. Resentment. It's resentment. Resentment drives anger. I've learned that anger is often, there's many symptoms usually to anger, but one of them is, is a resentment. And this is what we see in the older brother. Look at verse 29. Resentment. It says, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. 
and, you, and I never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf. What's resentment? Resentment is bitterness at having been or having perceived to have been treated unfairly. Now, it's interesting. The, the older brother says some very astounding, revealing, and resentful things in these few verses because he perceives that he's been treated unfairly. Did you catch him? The first is his understanding of his position with his family. He says, I've been slaving for you. And Pastor Eric, he reminded me this morning, he goes, you know what, Joe, that's for those that have gone through the breakthroughs ministry that we have here at Kingsland, and if you haven't gone through breakthroughs ministry, make sure you check it out. But this is the performance wound right here that the brother's having. I'm slaving for you. But what does this tell you about his understanding of his relationship to his father? It's not a father-son relationship. It's a, oh man, you're the master, I'm the slave. And so I just gotta do whatever you tell me to do in order for me to get something, right? His, his relationship is more contractual than anything. And not only that, but he says, when this son of yours, it's not even his brother, his heart is so hard that he doesn't even see him as a, himself as a son, but now he's not even seeing it as his brother. He's like distancing himself from this family. His anger is driving that, this resentment. The second thing, two nevers. Did you catch the two nevers? He says, I've never disobeyed your orders, and you never gave me even a young goat. See, the older brother's having this crisis because his paradigm, his understanding is that the only way to get the father's love is to work really, really hard for it. I gotta work really, really hard. Now, church, let me just say, um, working really hard has never been a prerequisite for us to getting God's love. You don't work really, really hard to earn God's love. You serve God and you work really hard because of his love. And self-righteous people like the Pharisees, they always get this confused. They always mess this up. And then lastly, the point of contention. His big point of contention that he brings up with the father. Did you catch that? The calf, the fattened calf. He says, you killed the fattened calf for him. In other words, you're celebrating his stupidity and his sinfulness with my property, right? So if you look at this parable as a whole, you have one son that is rejecting the father for things, right? Give me my stuff, I'm out of here. I don't care about you. Now we have another son that pretended to pursue the father for things. Neither of them truly loved the father. They acted like they had ulterior motives in order to get to the father, right? And it reminds me, like when I was in college, going back to college a little bit, um, I went to the, the volleyball coach and I said, hey, I would love to help out. Do you need line judges for the games? I would love to help out with line judges, and she was like, oh, absolutely. We're always looking for line judges. Would love to have you. I didn't realize you loved volleyball. Church, I'll be honest with you, I didn't love volleyball, okay? Didn't love volleyball at all. I found out that Megan was also a line judge. And so I could go to the volleyball games, and I could work with her and hang out with her. Now, I was a terrible line judge, as you can imagine, because we'd be working the games, and I'm supposed to be following the ball, all this stuff, but I'm, I'm more focused on Megan, the other side of the court here, right, okay? So now you know I've admitted I've got anger and I'm a creep, all right? So, <laughs> so, hey, pray for me. Like I said, ulterior motive right there, right? Now, church, here's my question. 
Here's the question I want you to think about. Is your relationship with God motivated because you think you'll get something out of him or is it motivated out of pure love for him? Is your relationship with God motivated because you think you'll get something out of him or is it motivated out of pure love? Hey, real talk. God owes us nothing. God owes us nothing, church. I know that's not a cute little slogan that goes on the coffee mug, right? God owes us nothing. Hey, but church, realize that's why his grace is so amazing. That's why his grace, his free, undeserved, unearned favor towards us is so amazing. We don't deserve anything, and yet he gives us everything in Christ Jesus, amen? I mean, we get second chances. We get freedom. We get eternal life. We get new beginnings. We get everything we need to make it through another day free, not because we deserve it, but because God is gracious enough and pours it on us. And church, here's the thing. When you understand the love that resides in the heart of the Father, you realize there's no room for anger or resentment to reside in your heart. Which leads me to the brother's last, the older brother's last symptom, uh, which is forgetfulness. Forgetfulness, church. We can't forget. Look at what the father reminds the son, the older son in verses 31 to 32. First of all, he starts out with son. Son, he said to him. He's reminding him, hey, don't forget, you're not a slave. You're my son. He says, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. Hey, I'm not withholding anything from you, son. You've always had everything at your disposal. All you have to do is ask. He says, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, he's reminding him, hey, it's your brother as well. It's your brother. This brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and he's found. Church, remember the older brother is representing the Pharisees and the religious leaders in this parable and Jesus is trying to help them to remember, hey, this is what God the Father has been doing for out all ages. Me being here with tax collectors and sinners is nothing new. God's desire is to seek and to save the lost. God's desire is that all come to repentance and a knowledge of the truth. And it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Anger, resentment, forgetfulness will cause you to miss out on grace and will cause you to miss the party, quite frankly. It's tough, church, because um, the hard thing about older brothers is that it's harder to reach them because they don't think they need grace. Self-righteous people don't think they need grace, but church, we could never forget that. Let us never forget the power of God's grace and how much we desperately need it every single day. Um, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture is, is in Ephesians chapter two. It's like verses one to, to nine, one to 10. And uh, I've always loved this passage, but, I, but when I was praying for you all the, this week, when I was praying, Lord, how, do you, how, do you, how should we end this message? What is it? What is it? The Lord's just saying, hey, remember, remember. And uh, he gave me Ephesians chapter two, and, uh, and I read it again in light of what I've been studying, and boy, some things just really pop out. And I want to read this over us so that we don't forget. Ephesians chapter two, starting with verse one, just listen with me. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Talk about being dead, right? And alive again. 
You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature under wrath as the others were also. What's he saying? He's saying we were all in the same boat here. We were all messed up and in need of Jesus. All of us. The wild childs and the self-righteous childs. All of us. Verse four, but God, who is rich in mercy. Talk about a rich father. Because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, verse seven I love, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. Church, no boasting allowed here. No celebrating our works, thinking that we can earn God's favor and looking down upon people. We all need God's grace, amen? Let's never forget that. Let's not miss the party. Let's not miss celebrating what God is doing in the heart of repentant sinners and what he might be doing with your neighbors or at your places of school or your places of work or wherever you're at. And church, I, you know, to just put a bow on this whole parable here, to bring this all together, talking about grace, let me just say, um, I guess to fully appreciate this parable, notice a few things, especially about grace. This is, this is actually a parable about two lost sons and one gracious father. See, the reality is we can be lost with the pigs or lost in the pews, right? The younger son rejected the grace of the father to pursue his own desires. The older son rejected the grace of the father to pursue to pursue his own justification. The younger son was deceived into thinking that he was insufficient for salvation, but the older son was deceived into thinking that he was self-sufficient for salvation, but the father pursued them both, didn't he? He ran out to the wild child and he ran out to the self-righteous child. He pleaded with them both, come to the party. And you know what, isn't that the gospel? Isn't that the good news that we have a father in heaven that whether we're a wild child or whether we're a self-righteous child, he pursues both of us because we both need his grace. And church, my hope and prayer for this morning is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we might recognize these symptoms in our lives, these symptoms of anger, resentment, or forgetfulness, and we might repent of those things, and we might turn to the Father, and we might celebrate what he is doing. We might draw closer to him and his grace that he has for us and depend on him holy on him for everything. He's where home is at. And church, what I want to ask you to do is just respond this morning how the Lord is calling you to respond. If that means turning to somebody next to you and saying, Jesus, help me, or friend, help me, pray for me, pray for Jesus to help me, and you're repenting of that and needing forgiveness for maybe anger, resentment, or forgiveness, and turn to that person, we're going to have people up front here that would love to pray with you as well. If responding means that you're asking for prayer for a loved one, if, you, if you've given up on a neighbor or a family member or a friend and you thought there's no way that God will ever take care of that person, there's no way that God will ever save that person, that person's so far away from God. If you need to pray for that person this morning, would you do that? And of course, lastly, if you're a wild child like I was or you're far from God and you don't know Jesus, 
Maybe today is the day that you, you ask somebody, hey, how do I know for sure if I can have a relationship with Jesus? Again, there will be people up front. While we play this last song, we would love, love to pray with you or grab somebody next to you and pray with them. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this morning. Again, this opportunity to just worship you freely, Jesus. God, again, I thank you for the worship that we've been having. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I just want to repent even before my brothers and sisters for for spouts of anger that I've had, for resentment that maybe I've carried in my heart, Lord, and for so often forgetting, Lord Jesus our heavenly father and what he's done. So Lord, would you forgive me for those and would you impress upon our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, um, for us to, to celebrate what you're doing, God. Heal us from any older brother syndrome that we may have, God, and lead us to your heart. Lead us to understand your grace more and more, God. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here this morning. Bless us, God. We love you. All God's people said.